listen up. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Chronicles of Doing Too Much. Go on and put on them shades because we about to shine, baby. Success ain't easy and you surely don't have all the answers. So we're going to help you stretch past your limits. You know how powerful you are. Build a strong network. You are a part of a community. Dominate your genius. Today is your day. And knock your goals out of the park. You are the heartbeat of your destiny. Let's work together versus you doing too much by yourself. You define your own success. You're a boss. And this is the Chronicles of Doing Too Much. Welcome to the Chronicles of Doing Too Much. I'm your host, Mindset and Success Coach Angel Riley, and I am excited about today's interview. We have no other than the awesome, brilliant, smart, intelligent sister queen, honey got it going on, Miss Verona Willis Brown, who is the host of the Question Podcast and Show. So I am so excited to have Verona here on our platform today to talk to us about being enough. Our topic is you are enough. Now, I am a fan of Verona. For those of you guys who do not know her yet, you will by the end of this episode. But let me take the opportunity to just go ahead and introduce my sister, queen, friend, the bomb of all things, brilliant, Miss Verona Willis-Brown. So Verona is a two-time published author, a mother, host of The Question, her podcast show, creator of her own brand, Are You Free Enough? She's a podcaster designed for single women and founder of a youth empowerment program called Not Your Competition. Most of all, Verona is a spiritual being living her best life while carrying out her parents' legacy. Today, after many twists and turns, her purpose is to inspire and empower women to find their authentic self and live in truth. I told y'all she was the bomb. I told y'all. I told y'all she was the bomb. So, Verona, welcome to the Chronicles of Doing Too Much. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on this platform with you. Wow. (laughs) That introduction, I'm thinking, who is that you're reading about? Well, honey, it's no one but you. <laughs> it is no one but you. So we met through social media, and this is the power of a network. Good people attract good people. And I think we both were in an author group where we connected. Um, I've had the pleasure of being a guest on your platform, um, so I was so thankful that you wanted to be a guest on this platform. Well, let me rephrase that. I'm thankful you accepted the invitation and found time in your busy schedule to be a guest on this platform. And so I want to start with one thing. And I ask all of my guests to say, what is one thing, one question, as many interviews that you do, that you really want people to ask you and no one will ask you? So we're talking about the chronicles of doing too much. That means we're slowing down in life. We're taking an inventory of the things that are most important. 
and we're having those conversations that sometimes we avoid having because of fear, because we may feel inadequate, or because we really don't know that it's something that we're experiencing. So I'm going to start with that one question that you really wish more people asked you, and that is, how are you really feeling? And that right there is a good question, Queen Sister. That's a very good question because oftentimes what we do, we hide behind our smiles and we hide behind our title. And when someone asks us, how are you feeling? They're not truly asking you for you to give a true answer. So we never give a true answer of how we are feeling. We said, I'm fine. But deep inside, we are not fine. Deep inside, we want someone to stop and listen to us as we say, I am broken. I'm hurt. I'm neglected. I need love. I need someone to listen to me. So we oftentimes lie when we answer someone, when they ask a question. So I really wish somebody would ask me that one question at least for a day and let me sit down and tell you how I'm really, really feeling because that right there is a question all by itself. That is awesome. And you just make such a good point because fine means so many things, and it's all about the tone. So this is me. If I'm in a romantic relationship, and my partner says, Angel, honey, how you doing? Fine. If I have that tone, I'm not really fine. That means I'm really mad at you. Uh-huh. You got about two seconds to get out of my face before we're about to have um, a loud discussion. <laughs> and that's real talk. Exactly, exactly. You know, when I'm at the job, when I'm at the nine to five, and it's, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. If I'm using the word fine in corporate America, that means I'm not fine. You know, and, you know, watch me because I'm likely going to drink a bottle of wine when I get home. You know? Exactly. <laughs> so, I love, exactly. I mean, that's exactly what it is. So, it is a thing of how are you truly feeling and embracing those feelings. So, you talked about having the feelings of being sad, um, overwhelmed, frustrated. Um, You know, what would you tell a person when it comes down to, I'm not really sure if I'm okay? Like, what advice would you give to someone who may not really be sure? See, when someone is not sure of how they're feeling, it's for them to tap into that because we all were born with an awareness, and we all know how we are feeling. We know wrong, we know right, we were taught wrong and right. And when you ask somebody truthfully, sis, how are you feeling? And you say, I don't know. I need for you to stop for a moment, pause, breathe. And if your heart rate is going at a certain beat, simple means you are either sad, you're excited, you're angry, your emotions work with your heartbeat. If you have peace, your heartbeat is going to go accordingly. If you're angry, it's going to be racing. You're anxious, it's going to be racing. So when you sit and say you don't know, I want to let you know you do know. But you just refuse to face it. You just refuse to face how you 
are feeling because we all know how we are feeling. We all can face that and say, I am not feeling good. I am not feeling like how I felt yesterday. Yesterday I was up and I was bubbly. Today I feel like I'm sinking in sand. So we all know how we feel. But it's our job, our responsibility is to face how we are feeling because our emotions are real. They are real. They are real just as the sky. And we have to face those emotions. But it's how you maneuver the emotion that will let you decide good or bad or ugly. So for the person who will say they don't know how they're feeling, it's because they are afraid of how they are feeling. That's, that's profound. You know, not saying how you feel because of fear. What are some things that you think causes that fear? What causes fear is traumatic stuff. It's traumatic event that causes fear. And what happened with fear? Fear is something, you can fear two things. You can fear the known or the unknown. When you fear the known, it's because you're afraid of the judgment that's coming to hit you. Because when you fear the known, it's because somebody knows something about you. And you're afraid of what they're going to say about you from what they already know. You're afraid of judgment, and that's what happens. We oftentimes lock ourselves into others' opinion and others' judgment. So we fear that because that was event, situation that we went through that somebody is aware of. And then the other section is we fear the unknown. Because we get so comfortable in ourselves. We get so comfortable living. We get so comfortable in a relationship. We get so comfortable just being just sitting there. We don't want change. Human beings are afraid of changes because they don't want to be shipped out of their comfort zone. They want to be sitting in their comfort zone, sipping their wine, tilting their head, and giggling, but there's something about the unknown that is waiting for you. The unknown is a place where possibility lies. But how can you get there when you're afraid to go there? How can you get there when you become so locked into that fear, that emotion of fear that's holding you hostage? And that's why a lot of people won't achieve their purpose or they won't fulfill their purpose because they're afraid of changes. Changes are real, just the same way a day is real. So when you get a day, you get a day to deal with yesterday, today, or tomorrow. So what is the choice you're making? Are you going to live in the past, or are you going to live now, or are you going to think about how am I going to live for tomorrow? So fear is real, and fear is not false. Fear is a real emotion, but you have to face it that it is real. You have to face it when you look into the mirror and say, I am afraid. I fear going the next level. I fear going the next step. I fear dating that person. I fear marrying that person. I fear having children. I fear being a mother. You have to come to those points that it is real. It is real. But you must tell fear, no problem. We are going to go together, but I am going to be the boss. 
I am going to be the boss. Because when I am the boss of fair, it's fate that's going to be the boss of fair. Because there are two things, fair and fate. That was profound. I mean, whew, you know, and fear shows up in so many different ways. You know, I say that fear, it, it, it masks itself. Fear is the ultimate costume dresser. Fear can show up when we don't want to move forward because something isn't perfect. We have to have the perfect plan. Everything needs to be aligned in a perfect way for it to happen. A lot of times that's fear. We're trying to have total control over everything, and that's because we fear that unknown, as you stated. Mm -hmm. Fear shows up as procrastination. You know, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. I'll do it next year. You know, I'm I'm just tired right now. You know, procrastination, that is fear. And that is something that, you know, we, we are not ready to face it. So we'll procrastinate. And, and that's the thing, because you have to look, because procrastination, yes, breeds from fear. But fear is what's holding you hostage. So you have to look at it as a hostage situation. And I'm going to give you a perfect example, Queen. I fear bugs. I fear bugs. Because I don't want to be bit. I don't want nothing crawling me. I don't want, I, I'm, I just don't like all the scrawny stuff. And if you are a roach, oh, no, I don't want you to crawl next to me. I fear those things. I fear all of that. And I'm going to give you a perfect example about fear and how you need to conquer your fear. Because if you have a bug around you, in your house, outside, wherever, and you kill that bug, just tell yourself that you just killed that bug, right? And when you kill that bug, remember you're afraid of the bug and you fear bugs. But when you kill that bug, you used up everything in you to kill that bug. And when you use up everything to kill that bug, you refuse to move the bug off the floor. You refuse to move that bug that you just used up every single thing inside of you to kill that bug. And you say, oh, I'm afraid. I am so fear of the bug. But the bug is dead. But you refuse to take up the dead bug. But when you refuse to take up the dead bug, you're waiting for somebody to take it up for you? No. You have to put the same kind of energy that you killed the bug with, dig back into that source of energy, and pick that bug up because no one will take it up for you. So what are you going to do? You're going to keep it there? Because, you see, that's what happened to me. I am so afraid of bugs, fear bugs to the deepest thing. And there was a little roach, a little water bug roach, whatever you call it. And I killed it. And I'm like, yes, I killed it. Boom. And I'm looking at it like, I'm not taking that up. I'm not taking it up. And I'm sitting there, and my spirit is saying, but if you don't take it up, it's just going to sit there. And why would you be sitting with a dead situation in your house? Why would you sit there with fear is dead? Fear is not. Fear is dead at that moment for me. And I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, yeah, but I, I fear the bug. I'm not taking it up. And my spirit spoke to me. and said, you will not have someone take that up. You are going to take it up because you know what? It cannot come back alive. 
So when you conquer your fear, that which you conquer cannot reverse. It cannot reverse. And for anyone that is listening to my voice, know that the biggest fear that you fear is you being fearful. It's just you. It's you being fearful. It's you, it's you that got to take that, that energy from your inside and park it out there. I said, uh-huh. Just imagine somebody decides to buy your car. You fear driving. You fear getting on the highway. So what's going to happen to the car? It's just going to sit there. So you've got, to get into, you've got to get inside. Because there's something about fear, Queen Sister. When you have faith, fear diminish. Fear diminish. Fear diminish. When you have faith, you've got to ignite into something called faith. Man, that is profound. And it brings me to a situation when I um, lived in Texas and... I was, you know, this was right as I was going through divorce. So it was my first time living alone in over a decade, and I'm in a new state. And um, I remember, you know, I went away. I was on travel. Um, I can't remember. I think I was on travel for the job. And when I came back home into my garage, there was like this foul odor. And I could not figure out what the foul odor was because I left my garbage cans, you know, outside, you know, because I'm where I lived. Um, they picked up garbage every night. And it was just Texas. You guys in Texas know the heat. And even it's really not winter time much in Texas. <laughs> right, right. At all. But, yeah, but it was this really foul odor. And I was talking to my cousin and I'm like, what is that smell? So I had like a bag or something. And I was like, well, maybe I put trash in the bag. I thought maybe it was like clothes I was going to donate or whatever. But when I went to touch it, I saw a rat. It was dead. I don't know how it died. Mm -hmm. But you want to talk about someone's heart that almost mm -hmm. jumped out of, my ch out of my chest. And I'm on the phone talking to my cousin as I described it. And she's in South Carolina. And she's like, Angel, what's going on? What's going on? And I'm like, oh, my God, there's a pain right in my garage. Oh, my God. And I was so afraid. I didn't run into the apartment. I ran out <laughs> out of the front of the garage door. And so my neighbor was back in. Say again. And you're running away from the dead rat. Yeah, I'm running away from the dead rat. So my neighbor was pulling out, and I went to him. I'm, like, waving him down, and he's stopping. And I said, um, hey, I, was like, I have a dead rat in my garage. Can you get it out and put it in the trash can? <laughs> so he was trying to be brave, but he was just as afraid as I. And he got out, and he was like, okay. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I'm so scared. And then he stopped and looked at me. He said, I'm scared too. And I was just like, oh, my God, we're good. I was like, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But it was holding me hostage. This dead yeah. rat, there had nothing yeah. to do. And, yeah. Yeah, and it was a rat. It was big enough like to be a cat or something like that. Yeah, and yeah. this dead rat, in my opinion, it was big enough to be a cat. But I, so I'm like held hostage outside the garage. For yeah. so no reason, right? No reason. But my neighbor went and got help for me. I was afraid. He was afraid to get it. But I told you, the trash company came to pick up our trash every night. So he, as he was going out the gate of our complex, he saw 
the guys um, coming to pick up the trash and sent them to my unit. And they came and scooped it up. But I was still so stricken by fear as they came to my unit to go into the garage to scoop it up. I ran even farther away from my property into the the driveway of a na- of neighbors that live like four units up the street. All right, he's getting from a dead situation. Yes, a dead situation. Mm-hmm. And that's where we have to be careful of how we let dead situation hold us hostage. We have to be careful of these things. We have to be careful of dead situations where we wrap ourselves around dead situations. Situations that have nothing called life. Because what that life is what breathes life. What that life is what will come after you, will bear something. But if you have no life, you cannot bear anything on me. You cannot come back and get me if you have no life. Mm. You have no strength to get me when mm. you have no life. So we oftentimes wrap ourselves around situation that is not helping us. It is not helping us. It is not helping us grow. It is not helping us to bear fruit. It is just not helping us, and why do we continue to wrap ourselves around situations, again, fear, because you don't want change. You don't want change. And the thing about it, when you said that we're we're running from a dead situation, when we're running from that dead situation, we're doing too much. This is the chronicles of doing too much. Much. So we're calling out behaviors where we're doing too much. Yeah, it was doing too much. You're doing definitely too much, okay? You're definitely doing too much. Mm-hmm. Because number one, if you had got to that place and that rat was alive, that, was, that rat would be running from you. Mm. You better speak so the truth, you, sister. You better speak it. That rat would be running like, oh, my Lord. And you running from the rat and the rat running from you. So, hello, so somebody got to make a decision. But guess what? Who's going to make a decision? You, because that's your place. Mm-hmm. That's your place. So you listen. Listen, rat, you don't pay rent here. You've got to face things, and that's where we're not doing. We, are, we have to face things head on. And let me tell you, the thing about fear, because people think fear is false. Fear is not false. It's not a false evidence. I'm not taking that from nobody who claim it is false evidence. It is not false evidence. It is real. And sometimes what you have to do, you have to face the thing head on. You just have to do it scared. You just have to accomplish things scared. You see, all of that that you've you read about my nice little bio, all of those things I did scared. All of those things I did with fear hanging on to my shoulder like, uh-uh, no, you're not. No, you will not do that. Oh, yes, I will. No, you're not. And I had a conversation with fear because I was thinking about the judgment from others. I was thinking that I was not going to be enough to accomplish those things. I was thinking that I myself is not enough to even have two books published. So all of that, I did all of that scared, unbroken faith, with fear hanging on my shoulder like, I'm going to be your pocketbook, girl. 
I'm going to be your pocketbook. Mm. So I said, okay, since you don't want to go anywhere and I want to accomplish something, a much of things, then come along. But I'm going to show you who's the boss because I am going to do this. I'm going to do it. It's take it or leave it right here. And I'm I'm going to do it. Right, and I love that when you talk about you have to face things head on because the second part of that story that I did not find out until many months later when I was leaving Texas to come back to D.C. and I had a transit van because um, I had a company that I was in for. And, you know, so I had to transit van to transport my product. But I had not been driving the van. I cannot tell you how long it had been before I started up the van. So when the moving company came to move the van and transport it back to the D.C. area where I'm located, the van wouldn't start. And it was because not only was the battery dead, but apparently that rat and maybe a rat family had nested (laughs) under the hood of the van and was gnawing through the the stuff I'm, I'm not mechanical there, but it was gnawing through stuff and it was causing damage to my vehicle unknown to me because I was afraid to face it I didn't know that something that was holding me stagnant and holding me back just to think if it was time for me to get in that van to go and actually sell the product to set up as a vendor, I would not have been able to go because I did not face something that I allowed to hold me stagnant because I was afraid. Like it should have been second nature to me to check the rest of the garage to make sure that there wasn't any damage or any friends of the dead rat. But instead what I did I called the rental office and had them come and everywhere that it looks like anything can sliver, sliver through the garage, foam it up. So I tried to prevent something by just foaming it up, covering it up versus facing the fear. So we're going to take a quick break. Go ahead and I'll let you say your final point and then we're going to take a quick break. Go ahead, Queen. And we have to stop covering things, and we have to be real. We have to learn to be real. And real means finding your real self and face your flaws, your failures, and your faults. That is awesome. And at the end of the day, it is, no, you are enough. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back. To the Chronicles of Doing Too Much. This has been brought to you by The Success Chronicles Volume 1. Do you have a story you want to share with the world? Well, here's your chance because we are looking for 30 courageous women who are passionate, collaborative, and visionary to be a part of this anthology, The Success Chronicles Volume 1. This anthology project aims to give a platform to women who are breaking glass ceilings and defying the odds in all areas. This is more than a book. This is a movement. For more information about the Success Chronicles Volume 1 and how you can be a part, contact Mindset and Success Coach Angel Riley at angel 
at CoachAngelRiley.com. Again, that's Angel at CoachAngelRiley.com. Or you can text your email address with the word book to 301-744-7801. The Success Chronicles, Volume 1. This is more than a book. This is a movement. You know what you're listening to, right? You're listening to the Chronicles of Doing Too Much with Coach Angel Riley. All right, welcome back to the Chronicles of Doing Too Much. I'm your host, Mindset and Success Coach Angel Riley, and we are speaking today with the phenomenal Verona Willis Brown. And so we just finished talking about knowing that you are enough and not allowing fear to hold you stagnant, not allowing fear to make you want to cover things up, not looking for validation when we don't need validation because a lot of times we are not walking in our purpose. We're not excelling to that next level because we are remaining stagnant because we want someone to validate us or we're just afraid. Growth happens when you are uncomfortable. Growth happens when you get out of that out of what is familiar. So that's a perfect segue into the next topic, and that is: Are you a product of your environment, your circumstance? I love the success stories where you know Damon John is one of my favorites, and you know I'm going to get the. the numbers wrong, but he talks about how he had $33 um, before he, you know, launched his brand, and now here he is, you know, on Shark Tank with all of these millions, possibly billions of dollars. I don't know his net worth off the top of my head, but not being a product of your circumstance. So, Verona, can you give us an instance in your life or not even your personal life if you don't care to share, but not being a victim to your circumstance, good, bad, or indifference. What is something that happened or some, or a situation you know about that happened to someone that they could have been a victim, but instead they rose up victorious? Well, I'm, Queen Sister, I'm going to speak on myself because all those lovely titles that you read in the beginning, those are all nice and those are all beautiful and those are all great accomplishments. And those are something, maybe not all of them that I dreamt of, but I dreamt of being an author. And I was really glad when I became an author. But you see, it wasn't, that, it wasn't always like that. You see, I, I grew up where I wanted to be like my mother. I wanted to be the, the, the faithful wife, the great mother she was. And, and as little girls, we always model our mother. And we have that intent that we want to grow up to be just like our mother. And I had that. I had that image. But I wanted to have that home. I grew up in a home where the love, the laughter, all of that, I wanted to have that home. I planned that home somewhere in my head. I planned that. I planned the husband. I planned the household. I planned how many children I wanted. But you see, it was at age 27. By, by the time I, not 27, by the time I reached age 22, 
I was already a struggling single mom. And not only that I was a struggling single mom, I was a struggling single mom living at home with my parents. I was living at home with them with my baby girl. And I remember days that my father was so disappointed in me. He was so disappointed that each day that went by, my father would avoid me. He would avoid my common daughter. He never touched my daughter. He never touched my daughter. No matter how many times I'm like, this is your granddaughter. My father would walk away from us in that house so many days. And see, those are the days that my, I love my mother's cooking because I think we all love our mama's cooking. And I love my mother's cooking. And those days, the hurt from my father, the pain that stole from his eyes, that hit me out of disgust, out of disappointment. You see, those are the days that I wouldn't even eat my mother's food, but I would feed my baby. I fed my baby every ounce of food that my mother would cook. And when they all go to sleep, I would go back into my daughter's plate and I would eat the crumbs from my daughter's plate while she slept mm. in her bed wow. with a full stomach. And I promised my daughter, I said, one day things will get better. Because one day it won't be that I'll be eating from your plate, but you will be eating from your own plate. And I would say this every single night while I was getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And my mother would look at me and my mother would say, what is going on? You are not eating. She didn't know that I was eating a crumb from my daughter's plate every night. But it wasn't until those moments kick in where I said, listen, one day, it's going to be better because I cannot let the opinion of my father ruin who I am. This is my father. I respected my father. But the fact of his opinion towards me and the decision that I made to bring forth a life scarred me. And those were the things that held me hostage for years. For years, I couldn't find myself. I didn't so, know oh, who I was years only because I was holding on to how my father reacted towards me being a mom to his granddaughter. But so it, you were looking for I was approval looking, I was, because you felt he was disappointed because you had a child out of wedlock and young. Because we don't know that. We know that if you're going to be having a child, you're supposed to be married. I grew up in a faith-based household. I grew up where society says you're supposed to be married at a certain age. I grew up where it says you're supposed to be having this at a certain age. And that didn't reach my qualification. See, I didn't reach that. I didn't get into that level. And my father was very disappointed because, you see, let me tell you something about my father. My father never made it into high school. And my mother never made it past the fourth grade. But they wanted the best for their children. So when I went and got pregnant out of wedlock, that was something that cut the family in pieces. How oh, dare me do something like that? But I well, we, talk, 
Right. Well, we talk about, you know, not being defined by your circumstances. And I think you made a really good point because as parents and, you know, and you're a parent, as parents, we want our, we want our children to be better than us. We want our children to achieve more in life and like, you know, I don't know, and maybe I'm making an, an assumption because I'm not a parent, um, but it is a thing of do we think that some of the circumstances that our children are in is because of the pressure that we put on them because we want our children to achieve things that we did not achieve. So when you talk about, you know, the education levels and, you know, it's the same. My, my dad, you know, in South Carolina, he had to go and work, so he didn't finish school either. And, you know, he got um, his his high school credentials after he married my mom, and he was in his early 20s. You know, my mom, you know, she graduated high school, but she married my dad, um, you know, two two months after she graduated high school. You know, and, and so when you look at different things like that and our parents achieve various levels of success, are we kind of dictating good, bad, or indifferent circumstances for our children because we want them to pretty much live up to things that we felt that we didn't accomplish as, as adults or what have you? So what are your thoughts on that? And and that's the thing because I could speak as the daughter and I could speak as the mother because you can feed your children as much as you want. Somewhere along the line, they don't have to digest what you feed them. And at the end of the day, all of us, all of us were born with our own skills and our own talents and our own gifts. You will not know my gifts as my mother, because that's my gift. You can want expectations. You can say, I want you to become a doctor, but I want to become a teacher because I was created to be a teacher, not a doctor. See, as parents, we don't know our children's gifts and talent to such extent. We don't know their purpose. We can say, my daughter is gifted in math. My daughter is gifted in science. We can see that because we are the one nurturing them. But when it comes to purpose, we don't know their purpose. The only person that will know their purpose is that individual that will know their own purpose. We as parents and I as a mother cannot determine our children's purpose. That is a God-given destiny. So as much as we can go into our children's bucket and say, we want you to become, we can't dictate that. That's only expectation. So for those who don't have children, who have not bought a child from their womb, there's someone that you're still saying, I expect you to do. But that's not their purpose. And that's what we have to seek to find our own purpose. And that makes so much sense. But I want to repeat one of your quotes. And you said, you can feed your children as much as you want, but they don't have to digest it. Mm -hmm. That, my queen sister, was 
profound. Now I have to let our audience know when we started this discussion, both of us poured our glass of wine. We said we're going to sit here, we're going to have a sister girl conversation because that's what always happens when the two of us get together since we met. <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, I'm sitting here, I, I, I almost forgot that I'm on a podcast and I have a microphone in front of me because I started sipping the wine. My feet were about to be propped up on the table because I'm like, my sister is kicking some knowledge right now. <laughs> but that was just absolutely profound. And as you can feed your children as much as you want but they don't have to digest it. And that's no. not just about the children that you birth. That no. can be anything or anyone, any relationship yeah. that you have. And we fall victim to our circumstances because we're feeding, feeding, feeding. But yeah. that other person is not digesting. Absolutely. No. So we're going to take a quick break. And then we're going to come back and wrap up our discussion with the phenomenal Miss Verona Willis-Brown. We'll be right back. This has been brought to you by The Success Chronicles, Volume 1. Do you have a story you want to share with the world? Well, here's your chance because we are looking for 30 courageous women who are passionate, collaborative, and visionary to be a part of this anthology, The Success Chronicles Volume 1. This anthology project aims to give a platform to women who are breaking glass ceilings and defying the odds in all areas. This is more than a book. This is a movement. For more information about The Success Chronicles Volume 1 and how you can be a part, Contact Mindset and Success Coach Angel Riley at angel at coachangelriley.com. Again, that's angel at coachangelriley.com. Or you can text your email address with the word book to 301-744-7801. The Success Chronicles, Volume 1. This is more than a book. This is a movement. Chronicles of Doing Too Much. Follow Coach Riley on all platforms at Coach Angel Riley. Now back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is it. The Chronicles of Doing Too Much. And thank you guys for joining us on the Chronicles of Doing Too Much. I needed that break because I needed to refill my wine glass. I'm just saying, did you get some more refill, Verona? Yes, honey, I'm sipping over here like, what? Excuse me. <laughs> like, listen. That's what we do over here in the Chronicles for doing too much. <laughs> we get our wine, okay? We get our wine, we relax, we have that conversation of real talk. I mean, and this is just an amazing, amazing topic. And, um, yeah. And I just kind of want to wrap us up where we're talking about knowing when too much is too much. This is the chronicles of doing too much. This is the thing that we all are boss. <laughs> the tagline of my company is you are the heartbeat of your destiny. You see that everywhere here, even with the chronicles of doing too much. You are a boss in the heartbeat of your destiny. 
So we understand if your heart is beating too fast, mm-hmm. something ain't right. That's not mm-hmm. giving you, you know, vitality. That's not giving mm-hmm. you longevity. It's beating too fast. So how can we be the heartbeat of our destiny at that slow, steady rhythm that is showing us that we are in maximum health if we're doing too much? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Verona, can you share an instance with us where you were just doing too much? You were trying to achieve a goal. You were trying to walk in your purpose, go after a passion, whatever it may be. But it was you could not move forward even though you were doing any and everything that you thought should have been doing. But you had to have that realization that you were doing too much. So if you can share an experience with us. And, and the lesson learned, like how did you recognize you were doing too much and how did you course correct? Um, that's so funny because I always consider myself as the CPU of the family. And that right there says I'm, I was doing too much, okay? Because when you become the CPU, you're doing too much. So I was always that person where I was the run-to person. I was the person that you call her and to babysit, and I was the person like, oh, we're coming. So I was the go-to person of the family. And I realized that while I was doing all of that, I was losing myself. I was losing myself because I became the perfect auntie. I became the go-to auntie. I became the go-to sister. I became to the go-to friend. And then when I needed someone, when my parents, let me roll back a little because my parents died. And I remember when my, when my father died, the week before my father died, I remember looking at my father and my father was a guitarist and I used to sing with my dad. And I remember saying to my dad, oh, I always love singing with you. And my father said to me, okay, I need for you to have this song, the words of the song, and you're going to come to my house, and we're going to sing together like what we normally would do. You sing, and I play the guitar. And I said, okay, no problem. I am going to go get the words for the song, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to sing that song for you. But I was that daughter. I was that daughter, okay? I was that daughter that attended to my parents up to their deathbed. And I remember when my father said those words to me, I looked straight in his eyes and I realized that he had such a passion in his eyes because remember I said the incident about my father, my father had got over that and he had got over the fact that my daughter was already born and growing in his hands and he became so close to my daughter. And as I moved up to the point where my father said, get the words of the song, and I watched the, the, the passion in my father's eyes as he looked and, and was like, you're a different daughter. You know, he never said those words, audio, but his eyes spoke volume to me. And he gave me such a proud look, because at that point, I was already out of his house, living on my own in my first little apartment with my daughter sending my daughter to school, doing everything by myself. I was a single mom. So I was doing everything by myself. And when my father said those words to me, I watched the passion in his eyes, twin sister. And he had a proud look, like, wow, 
like you're doing things by yourself. And that, that did something to my heart. And that moment I said, hmm, my dad approved my steps. My dad approved my steps. And unfortunately, the following week, my father died. And I never got to sing with my dad, and that was the moment of realization for me. I never sang the song to my dad. And that moment, I said, life is about me, because just as how I promised my father, I was coming back. Now my father is not here, and I'm going to promise myself that I am going to be here for me. So any promise that I make, I am going to come through with it for myself, not for my sisters, not for my brothers, not for my nieces, not for my daughter, not for no one. I will come through for myself because just how I promised my dad to sing for him, and I never got that opportunity to make that last, last word, those last, last song to him. I promised myself I would never do that to me. I would never put myself in that predicament. Never. Sometimes you have to know when it's too much. Right. And I was going to add three takeaways from what you said about knowing when too much is too much. And first you said, I considered myself the CPU of the family. And that right there let me know I'm doing too much. Mm -hmm. You, You put yourself in a situation where you operated everything you were that go-to person. You were the, you know, the central unit. And because yes. you put yourself in that situation, no, no one asked you. You appointed yourself. You, you were self-appointed CPU of the family. Yep. That was doing too much. Then when you talk about it, um, you know, and then the, the quote, it, was, it just hit me. Like if I felt this personally, my dad approved my steps. Then the following week, he died. Mm -hmm. And we talked about the validation that you sought as becoming a young mother, a young unwed mother. And then when you finally got that approval, he died. So you were seeking that validation so much and seeking his approval so much, you were missing out on some present moment. And all along, even though he may not have shown it, he was approving it for you. And when you finally got what you wanted, that was the end of your time there. That that just that's personal there. I felt that. And then lastly, you that moment, you know, not to cut you, Princess. That moment when my father died, I moved into another apartment on my own just to find my quiet place. You've got to find your quiet place. Yeah. And finding that quiet place, Verona goes right into the last quote that I took away from what you were sharing with us. I will come through for myself. Yeah. That was your aha moment. You moved into a different apartment to find a quiet place because you promised yourself that you will be there for yourself. Yeah. 
Well, my queen sister, honey, I, we can talk all night long. We can pop a couple of more bottles of wine. <laughs> I always enjoy our conversations and our time together. But I want to give you the opportunity to share what you have going on. Give us some details about, you know, your podcast. What's the name of it? How can we access it? I'll make sure that it's also posted on all of my platforms as well. But share with us. Get, tell us what's going on with your podcast. Give us a little, uh, well, a little skinny on it, honey. <laughs> well, like I said, I, I, I found myself. I found myself and I found my quiet place, and that's where I evolved into that butterfly. And I created a platform called The Question, and that question stirred around the title of my book, which is called Are You Free Enough? And that book is asking that question in so many ways. So I put the show called The Question because it's Are You Free Enough Emotionally? Are you free enough mentally? Are you free enough financially? Are you free enough spiritually? Are you free enough socially? Are you even free enough at all? So I construct that and call the show the question. But as a result of being on the show, I, I call creatives to come on the show to share their story, their work, their book, their work in progress. And I created that platform for them to come in and feel safe, feel as if they're coming to my house. I wanted to welcome welcome them to my house. I wanted them to feel a place of empowerment, a place of inspiration, a place of motivation, and a place of support. So I created that platform for creatives to come in because we as creatives don't get to branch out that much. We are creative, so we create for ourselves, but we don't branch out because a lot of times we are misunderstand. People don't get what we are creating. So I created that platform just for creative to come in and be on my space in my living room. And then I go and I created, I'm a single mom. I've been through the turns, ups and downs, the disappointments, the falls, the failures, the flaws, all that good stuff. I've been through that, and I survived it enough where I am desired, like totally desired to work with single women to let them know that it's time for us to grow out of our pain, grow out of our flaws, grow out of our failures, and become our true, authentic self. Find that place where you seek to find you. Not your titles. Take off titles of mom. Take off titles of girlfriend. Take off titles of the one that you're dating and become you. Who are you? So I created a podcast, which is on Anchor. It's on all the platforms. And I created this platform for single women to come and feel safe there, where I share thoughts, empowering thoughts, inspiring thoughts, words of wisdom, writing letters to yourself, addressing yourself. Because for us to find someone, if we so desire to be remarried, married, 
or dating, we need to find ourselves first. We need to find who we are because no one will make us whole. No one is our better half than us. We must know we are. So I created that platform to say, women, come forth and be right here and let me serve you. That is awesome. So we're going to be following you. (laughs) We're going to be tuned in. We're going to subscribe because we are enough. So I'm going to end our show with um, four questions, and this is just my way of connecting you to the destiny seekers who follow Coach Angel Riley and the Chronicles of Doing Too Much um, and Destined for Greatness. (laughs) So that is, we have four themed days. Manifestation Monday, where we talk about affirmations for the week. Uh, We have Faith Walk Tuesday, where we share various scriptures, quotes, self-care practices, songs that get us motivated when we need um, a bit of encouragement. We give our younger selves pieces of advice, um, and then we talk about what we're thankful for for Thankful Thursday. And um, our pieces of advice is called Wisdom Wednesday. So I'm just going to read Um, some statements, and ask you to fill in the blank. So one of your favorite affirmations is? I am that I am. And I like that. Okay. One of your go-to songs, scriptures, quotes, self-care practices when you need encouragement is? Just one. (laughs) One is I love my music. I have to have music, and that's where I go in my quiet zone. I play my music. Okay. All right. I like that. And one piece of advice that you will give to your younger self is? Don't cry unnecessarily. Okay. I like that. And then lastly, you are grateful for? I'm grateful just to be breathing. Okay. I love it. I love that. Well, Verona, how can everyone follow you on social media and stay connected with you? You can follow me on Instagram at Verona Willis Brown. If you go on Facebook, I am still at Verona Willis Brown. However, you can go on Facebook again over to the Are You Free Enough platform. That's my creative platform where my show is. And again, single ladies, if you need to subscribe, if you need to listen to my podcast, it is under Are You Free Enough? Because that is the question. That is awesome. So, Verona, thank you so much for being the guest here on the Chronicles of Doing Too Much. We definitely want to go out there and follow you and stay connected. Um, you are a part of this family. You are always welcome to come back here. And, um, you know, I will slide into your DM when I see if there's an open space on your podcast or anywhere on your platform that can jump in and pour my glass of wine and we can have some sister girl talk because I love you queen and this is just definitely a connection that you know I appreciate so thank you so much for joining us here on the Chronicles of Doing Too Much so until next time I will see you guys next week and we are out 
Thank you for listening to the Chronicles of Doing Too Much. Don't forget to hit that like button, drop a comment, and smash that subscribe. And make sure you keep the conversation going by connecting through social media at Coach Angel Riley on all platforms or visit CoachAngelRiley.com. Until next time, go be a boss.